In the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. It may be true for you as it is for me, but uh, this time of year is a little bit dangerous to me because life tends to throw dozens, if not hundreds, of distractions in my way every single day, being pulled in every possible direction except possibly the one that we feel called to go in. That's normal for late August, isn't it? especially for those of us with kids getting back into school and everything ramping up, and ladled on top of that, of course, is the undertow and the cross-currents of the pandemic and political uncertainty and all the bad news. Our readings today are filled with irony. If we have ears to hear them and eyes to see them, we open with that ancient foundational text from the book of Joshua. And it sounds to me almost like it's a liturgy, a time for gathering at worship, and a pattern is being followed. In fact, I think that may be the implication of the author. Joshua confronts the people of Israel as they stand on the threshold of the promised land And he tells them, choose now. 
decide whether you are going to follow this God, Yahweh, the one who brought you out of Egypt, or if you are going to continue to follow all the other gods that are around you, all of the other distractions that surround you. This is not kind of an old wives' tale from ancient times. We know now from archaeological finds in the Near East that as late as a thousand years after this is supposed to have happened in the history of the ancient Israelites, you could still go into an Israelite home and find little gods being tended. Domestic gods, probably gods for fertility, gods for food, gods for a good harvest, gods for adequate rain. They were all there still in the household. So this is an old conflict amongst the Israelites, and it would be long-standing. And Joshua is saying, choose. Choose this day, he says. And then he has those words that still ring across the millennia. As for me and my household, we will follow the Lord. We will follow Yahweh. Now, Shakespeare is playing in the park, so the people's response is somewhere in the neighborhood of that old Shakespeare line, methinks thou dost protest too much. Far be it from us to forsake the God who saved us from Egypt. Far be it from us, the people respond. Well, of course, anyone who knows the rest of the story of the Israelites is it's not far from you at all because you will forsake Yahweh. That's what happens, right? The people betray God over and over and over again. And now the archaeological record backs that up. There were always other gods around. At home, out in the streets probably, in the marketplaces, and surrounding the ancient Israelites. We may not have little gods at home anymore, but we certainly have many things to distract us from the patterns of life that God calls us to. What we are being told by this ancient reading and the other readings today is that this is part of the human condition. This is part of our spiritual journey to be on the road following after the God of all life, the one who made us and who loves us, and to be distracted from that path, not just once or twice, but regularly. As sure as the old saying goes, as carts to horses, right? Distractions are us. Irony is also found in the letter to the Ephesians today. It sounds like a call to spiritual arms, put on the armor of light, gird yourselves against evil, not against blood and flesh enemies, but against the powers and principalities of darkness. The irony is that this is, at least according to the author, being written by Paul, while he is in prison, awaiting the end. This is not written 
by a victorious spiritual warrior. This is being written by someone who is facing imminent demise for his faith. And in the world's eyes, he has lost. And yet he is encouraging those who will listen by letter to put on the armor of faith. To stand firm, to remain on the path, to remain centered in God in Christ. Despite all the distractions of the world and all the things that would take us from that path. In John's mystical gospel today, we come at long last, yes, at long last. If you're tired of hearing about Eucharist and John's gospel, so am I a little bit actually. We've been there for many, many weeks. It's like, are we going to get on with things now, right? Over and over again, John has been labeling it on thick with this graphic and offensive language that Jesus uses to talk about what it means to take the life of Christ into ourselves, to embrace the life of God that has been offered for us something that we are meant to embody every time we approach and receive the broken bread and, when we are able, the common cup. John brings us in this mystical journey to this very poignant place in the gospel where it becomes too much for many of Jesus' followers and they turn back. They can't take it anymore. It's too scandalous, it's too outrageous, it's too above their pay grade. They just can't begin to imagine what Jesus is on about. After all, he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You know, who wants to be around for that for very long, right? I'm glad you're laughing because, you know, it gets to be too much after a while. The irony is that Jesus then poignantly turns to his closest followers, the Twelve, and he says, will you also go away? And of course, Peter opens his mouth and inserts his foot. He said, no, of course we'll never go away. You are the one with eternal life. We have come to believe and follow you. But it's a little bit like the book of Joshua. If you read a little bit further on, you know that Peter will also go away. He will betray Jesus during the Passion. That's part of the story. This irony is meant to teach us that we need to keep coming back. We need to keep coming back. That's why you all are here this morning, right? If it's stuck once, you could walk away, right? If you got one shot in the arm with Eucharist and that inoculated you forever and kept you on the path, you wouldn't have to come back for a booster shot. Oh, sorry. Right? But we have to keep coming back because life is filled with these distractions and the false gods and everything else that pulls us from the root of life and the source of love that gives us life. 
we have to continue to take Christ into ourselves, to be reminded that we are part of God's great design. And ideally, so that we will have the strength to put on the armor that God has given us so that we may serve others in need around us. So that we may not be so caught up in our distractions that we forget the things that are most important and the lives that we are called to serve. So we keep coming back. In the great irony of our spiritual journeys, we are wayward. We are just like the ancient Israelites. We wander in the wilderness. We complain and convetch. We expect things to be given us when we want them, not before or after. We say we're going to follow, and then we don't. We don't show up when we say we will. The irony is, the good news is that God is still there for us anyway. The doors remain open. The table remains set. We are being called back again and again. Because even when we are not faithful, God remains faithful to us. That's good news for me in this time of many distractions. Even when I can't show up because I'm too distracted, God shows up ready to nurture, to feed, to lead, to love, and to draw us into new life. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread, and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon. Uh.